We have a God who can make a way for you today. Yeah. I love, I love that Woodlands worship song that they just sang because it says when you can't take one more step, God's gonna make a way. When you got nothing left, God is gonna make a way for you. And maybe you feel like you can't take one more step today. I'm telling you, God's gonna give you the power to take the next step and he's gonna open the door and he's gonna make a way for you. I want us to pray today because God wants to speak a word directly to you, whether you're at our Atascacita campus or you're here in the woodlands or maybe you're worshiping with us online on the other side of the world. I, I really believe God has a personal word from his word for you, the very word that you need. Sometimes people ask me, have you been reading my emails? How did you know that's what I needed? And I have no idea, but God does. And his word is alive and it's life changing. So let's pray together. Dear God, I know that you love everyone within the sound of my voice more than they could ever realize. And I thank you, Lord, that you wanna share with them your personal word for them because you have a personal purpose for every life. No one is here by accident. Now, Lord, you don't create anything by accident. You're always filled with purpose. And so I thank you that even though at times we feel like we can't take another step, we thank you that you are already making a way. So speak to our hearts through your word today, Lord, because I know that we need this message. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can be seated. Several years ago, Chris and I were on this anniversary vacation, and we signed up for one of those shark dives. And now we like to scuba dive, but she's always the adventurous one. I mean, she will go on deep dives. She will dive shipwrecks. She will even go on night dives when all the predators are feeding. She's pretty much up for anything when it comes to diving. Now, I like to scuba, but I'd be content with just scuba diving in the hotel pool. I mean, I like to play it safe and comfortable. If it wasn't for my amazing, beautiful wife, my life would be so pathetic. It'd be so boring. But she talked me into diving with sharks. So we get on the dive boat and there's no turning back. Once the boat reached the dive site, our instructor said, we're gonna dive down to about 40 feet and I want you to get on your knees on the ocean floor and keep your arms behind your back because you don't want a shark to mistakenly bite your arm off. And so that's exactly what we did. And as soon as we got to the ocean floor, several sharks started swimming around us. They showed up like they knew something was coming. And then the dive instructor gets out this huge bag of chum. And then all these sharks start swarming around, coming from out of nowhere. All of these black-tipped reef sharks and lemon sharks, I'm talking seven to eight feet sharks. It was the real deal. They were swimming all around us, between us, bumping into us. And then he started feeding them. And they went into a frenzy where they're all fighting for food. It's kind of like my family on Taco Tuesday, you know, just trying to get everything they can get. When we finally got back on the dive boat with all of our limbs intact, Chris and I just looked at each other and she said, maybe that wasn't the smartest thing we've ever done. The dive master told us that years ago, commercial fishing boats would come to the site and they would clean their fish right there on that site and then they would throw away all the leftovers and the, the fish pieces and the guts in the water. So sharks then started showing up every day at the end of the day because they knew the fishermen would, were gonna throw the food in. And now dive boats take tourists to scuba dive every day to the site and lots of sharks show up because they're ready to eat. And when you think about it, that's pretty much the way it works when we feed our destructive thoughts. We all have what I call shark thoughts that swim into your minds every day. Those negative thoughts that start to circle in our brain, the shark of anxiety attacks and worried thoughts multiply and eat away at our peace of mind. The shark of fear comes out of nowhere and consumes all our thoughts. The shark of shame just hits us in waves and we get stuck in that destructive self-talk that just sinks us. The shark of negativity swims into our thoughts and begins to drag us down to the place where our problems just totally overwhelm us. 
Now, I want you to know, you can't keep the sharks out of your mind. You can't keep the shark thoughts from swimming into your brain. There are all kinds of sharks that swim into your thoughts every day. Anxious thoughts, worried thoughts, negative thoughts, selfish thoughts, prideful thoughts, insecure thoughts, fearful thoughts. Shark thoughts are just part of life. But here's the point. You don't have to feed the sharks. Because if you feed the sharks, then more sharks show up. The shark thoughts multiply and take over your thoughts. You experience a feeding frenzy that becomes shark-infested thinking. Those destructive thoughts become destructive thought patterns that affect every area of your life. If you feed the sharks, you starve your soul. You can't keep the sharks from swimming in, but you don't have to feed them. That's why we're starting a new series today that we're calling Shark Infested Thinking. It's how do you repel those destructive thought patterns and renew your mind? And it's based on Romans 12, 2. So would you open your Bibles to Romans 12, 2, and would you stand in honor of God's word and just follow along with me? Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. You may be seated. This passage tells us if you wanna make big changes that make all the difference in your life, then you have to change the way you think. Transformation always starts in the mind because the way you think determines the way you act. If you change the way you think, you change the way you act. If you change the way you act, you change your whole life. Our thinking, what we focus on and feed, creates habit patterns in the brain. Think of it like ruts in the brain. When we focus on something and think about something, those thoughts begin to create ruts in the brain. And if we think those thoughts over and over again, those ruts get deeper and they create habits. And if you focus on shark thoughts, it creates a destructive thought pattern in your brain that comes out in destructive habits that keep us stuck. Destructive thought patterns can keep you stuck in your pain. Destructive thought patterns can keep you from God's purpose in your life. And destructive thought patterns can keep you from seeing and seizing your divine opportunities. If you feed your shark thoughts, your thinking becomes shark infested. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, we see a young man who repelled the shark thoughts and seized his divine opportunity. It's the story of David and Goliath, and some of you are so familiar with the story, you've missed the whole point of the story. You think it's about an underdog defeating an overwhelming favorite, but no. It's not really about that. It's about someone who refused to feed the shark of fear, but instead, he fed his faith over the years. And if you feed your faith, you will starve your fears. But if you feed your fears, you will starve your faith. David was someone who had a renewed mind and divide thinking so he could seize his divine opportunity. And it was a giant opportunity. Goliath was a freak of nature. He was nine feet, six inches tall. His armor alone weighed 200 pounds. David came face to face with a giant problem. And this week, I thought about another freak of nature, Megalodon. How many of you guys have heard of Megalodon, the largest shark to ever live? This prehistoric shark was 50 feet long. Just look at this fossil of a Megalodon jawbone. I mean, it's just overwhelming. Now, here's a couple of Megalodon teeth compared to a great white shark. Look at this picture. I mean, that's a great white shark tooth in the middle there. I mean, the megalodon is humongous. And some of the sharks we face in life feel like a megalodon. The problems that look so big to us, they completely overwhelm our minds and hearts. And when you're face to face with a megalodon, it's really hard to see anything else. You can't see over it, you can't see around it, you certainly can't see through it. It's a shark that consumes all your thoughts. And we quickly fall into what I call megalodon thinking. We get a megalodon mindset where we feed the shark of fear and we forget about our faith. Well, David's megalodon stood right in front of him, but he didn't fall into a megalodon mindset. No, David had this amazing opportunity mindset that came from divine thinking. 
And some of you right now are face to face with your megalodon. Maybe it's a giant problem that's overwhelmed your perspective. Maybe it's a giant hurt that's consuming your every thought. Maybe it's a giant regret that keeps your mind and your life just stuck in the past. Or maybe it's a giant loss that's crushing your heart. Or maybe it's a giant fear that's just starving out your faith. Well, God shows us through this young shepherd boy that our megalodon is our divine moment. Our megalodon is our divine opportunity. Your greatest problem is not the problem. Your greatest problem is the way you think about the problem. For you see, when we look at the problem from our own level and we see that megalodon, it just overwhelms us. Are you stuck in a megalodon mindset? I want you to know your megalodon is your divine opportunity. Your greatest problem is your greatest possibility. Your greatest obstacle is your greatest opportunity to see God do a miracle in your life, to see God work in your life. And when you take advantage of that divine opportunity, it takes you to a whole new level in life. So do you have an opportunity mindset or a megalodon mindset? It's just so easy for me to get stuck in a megalodon mindset by feeding the shark of fear and it just eats away at my faith and sometimes it keeps me from seeing and seizing my divine opportunities. I want you today to ask God to give you the wisdom, just see a little bit that your greatest problem you're facing today is an amazing opportunity for you to go to the next level and it all depends on how you handle it. And so, I want us to go back 3,000 years today to the Valley of Elah in Israel as the Israelite army is face-to-face with the Philistine army. And Chris and I have been to the Elah Valley several times, and it's really powerful to think that David fought Goliath right there. And there's a dry riverbed in the Elah Valley. And every time I've gone, I've picked up a stone or two from the Elah Valley in that dry riverbed. It says David picked up five smooth stones and And he did that to get ready to fight Goliath. And so this is a stone from that dry riverbed in the Elah Valley. I mean, it's about two pounds, and it's a smooth stone. I like to think this was the very stone that killed Goliath. That's what I like to think. And so when Chris and I, you know, showed this stone to one of the guys at the Elah Valley that's there, He said, you know, don't you, that they just bring big dump trucks in here every day and dump rocks to replace the ones all the tourists have took, yeah. And I'm like, are you kidding me? And he just kind of smiled at me. So I don't know if that's true or not. This rock might be from California. I don't know. But I know this, it, nobody has proven that it's not the one that killed Goliath, okay? So I'm holding to that right now. Well, 2000 or 3,000 years ago, in the Valley of Elah, the Philistine army faced off the Israelite army, and then this one giant of a man, Goliath, steps forward from the Philistine ranks, and he challenges the Israelite army to send forth their greatest warrior. And he says, you send forth your greatest warrior, and we will fight man-to-man, hand-to-hand, to the death, and if your warrior beats me, then our army will surrender to you. But if I beat your warrior then your army surrenders to me. After he makes his challenge, the Israelite army does nothing. It's just silent. Now, King Saul should have been the one to step up and face Goliath. He was the champion of Israel, supposedly. He was the obvious choice to face Goliath, but years ago, he'd succumbed to Megalodon thinking because he had so fed his fears. The shark of fear had been swimming around in his head and had multiplied and become a feeding frenzy. It had eaten away all of his faith. He was no longer the king of courage. He was the king of cowardice because he was no longer obeying his God. When Saul didn't step up, the megalodon mindset spread from King Saul all throughout the Israelite army and it spread really quickly. And that's the way it is with the Megalodon mindset. If a leader is stuck in that mindset, it's gonna spread throughout the whole organization. 
why leadership is so critical. If a leader gets stuck in looking at the problem, being overwhelmed and not seeing the giant opportunity, it just spreads throughout the whole organization, and that's what happened to the army of Israel. The Megalodon mindset just went through the whole army, and the sharks of fear went into a feeding frenzy, and they just ran away in retreat. And when they were running from the giant, David arrives. This teenage shepherd comes onto the scene as everybody's running away, and he was just there to bring supplies to his older brothers. He was just bringing some sandwiches to his older brothers who were in the army. You see, he came to the battle and was never expecting to fight the battle. He wasn't supposed to fight the battle. This wasn't his battle, supposedly. All the warriors knew the battle was coming. All the warriors knew they were supposed to be the ones to fight in the battle. But David wasn't expecting the battle. He wasn't running to the battle. He didn't know there was gonna be a battle right then, but the battle found him. And that's the way it is with your divine opportunities. You can't decide when they come. Sometimes they find you, and you gotta be ready for the fight. David was already prepared for the fight. The fight came to him, and he realized, hey, this is my fight. This is my divine opportunity. For you see, David saw things like no one else saw them that day. Of the thousands who were there that day, he was the only one who saw a giant opportunity. You see, he didn't fix his focus on the giant. He just saw it as a giant opportunity. And Goliath is not too big to defeat. He's too big to miss. He's going down. I mean, and I wonder, how in the world did this teenager see what no one else saw? Because he saw that it was a giant opportunity, he seized his divine moment. David was so different. And I believe the reason why he was is for years, he had been feeding his faith and he had refused to feed the shark of fear. For years, he had repelled that shark of fear and those shark thoughts of fear and he had fed his faith. He had fed his faith on the hillside all by himself on those lonely nights watching the sheep. He had spent time with God and worshiped God and focused on God and the greatness of Almighty God as he looked up at the stars and realized he was the one that put the stars in place. And so I wanna know, how do I feed my faith like that so it starves out my fears? Well, first, we learn from this passage that you gotta change your focus from your overwhelming problem to your all-powerful God. It's all about a focus change. When you fixate on the problem, you feed the shark of fear. But when you focus on God, it feeds your faith. In 1 Samuel 17, 45, we see that David faces Goliath, and when he faces Goliath, he says this to him. David replied to the Philistine, you come to me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today the Lord will conquer you and I will kill you and cut off your head, and then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. Wow. How in the world could a teenager have that kind of boldness to say, you don't scare me at all. In fact, you're going down. I'm gonna kill you today. I'm gonna cut off your head and I'm gonna destroy with our army all of your Philistine warriors and we're gonna feed their bodies to the birds and animals. It's like, wow, wow. Uh, talk about smack talk, you know, but he had, he had the, the power of God to back him up and we have the power of God to back you up. That's not trash talk, that's true talk. And that's what he did to the giant. But I think, wow, what kind of courage is that? I want that kind of courage. But notice six times David says God. God, the Lord, the Lord of heaven's armies, God Almighty. Six times he says God, and this is a man who's more focused on God than the giant in front of him. 
You see, David has this God-level thinking where most people have ground-level thinking. And when you have that ground-level thinking, you know, those giants just overwhelm you. You're looking at it from a human level and you can't see around the giant, over the giant, everything looks impossible. All you can see is the giant. But when you have God-level thinking, then you see it from God's perspective. And from God's perspective, Goliath was just a little ant. From almighty God's perspective, all-powerful God's perspective, who's backing you up, and if you're a Christ follower, he's in your life. You have the power of God in your life. The same God who created this infinite universe is the God who wants to make a way for you. David realized that. So how do I stop focusing on the megalodon in front of me when it's all I see and focus on God? Because when I focus on God, it feeds my faith and I get a God-level perspective and things come into focus and I get a true perspective. Well, the secret is worship. You know, worship simply means to focus on God. A lot of us think of worship as singing songs to God and that's an amazing part of worship, but worship is really focusing on God so you can worship when you're washing dishes if you focus on God and his almighty power, and his goodness, and his love. You can focus at your workplace by doing the best job you can for God and, and realizing he's with you all through the day, and you, you just talk to him in your heart, and, and you ask him for strength and wisdom. That's worshiping God. And then weekly worship is really important because we need a recalibration. You see, during the week, when we're faced with all those megalodons, we, we get that megalodon mindset and we get out of perspective and we just look at it from a human level. Our thinking starts to be human level thinking and when we come to church weekly and we worship, things get into perspective. Some of you are experiencing that right now for you see you came in here and that problem was just overwhelming you but now it's getting a little smaller because you're focusing on God, worship. You focused on God through the music and worship. You're focusing on God through his word. You focus on God through your giving. You focus on God through your worship. Once a week, you need that recalibration. That's why God designed it that way because you need some perspective. You, you need some God-level perspective. And when you worship and focus on God, you realize a little bit of how big God is and your problems get a lot smaller. That's why worship's so important. But some of you, when you leave, that problem's gonna get really big again, but you just keep focusing on God all week long. And that was really David's secret. And some of you, you've been trying to fight the battle yourself and no wonder you're overwhelmed. Trying to fight the giant yourself, you can't win that battle. But David says, this is the Lord's battle and he's gonna give you to us. He realized that it was God's power and it was God's battle, and some of you just need to realize that today, that you're trying to fight a battle you were never intended to fight. David stepped up in the battle, but he knew God was the one who was fighting the battle for him. And so when you remember that, and you remember God's fighting for you, he's already fighting for you when you can't see it, and you turn the battle over to God, some of you today just need to say, God, man, I've been fighting. I've been struggling trying to do this on my own, but I'm gonna focus on you, and I ask you to take over this battle. This is your battle. I need you to fight through me, to fight for me, and it begins to change everything. And so I, I want you to see a second thing. Not only do you have to change your focus from your overwhelming problem to your all-powerful God, but secondly, you need to choose to believe the truth even when you can't see it. Don't believe everything you think and feel. Shark thoughts come into my mind all the time, but I don't believe everything I think. A lot of times those shark thoughts are from the big shark, Satan, the enemy, and he'll put them into my mind and I'll think that it's me thinking it, but it's the enemy putting those shark thoughts into my mind. He'll put a thought into my mind like, I feel worthless. I think, man, I'm worthless. God's probably really disappointed in me Man, I can't get my act together. Someone else could do this a lot better than me. Yeah, I just, I think I'm just worthless. But then, I realize it's not me thinking that. That's the enemy putting that shark thought in my mind, and it is not true. Don't believe everything you think. And then I bring it to God's word, and God says, I'm so valuable, I'm so cherished. I'm so valuable that God believed that my value is so great that he paid the price for me with the death of his son. 
God thinks I'm so valuable, he thinks I'm worth dying for. That's the truth, and so I, I choose to believe the truth rather than my thinking. Don't believe everything you think. I think, man, I just feel unlovable. I just think, I'm unlovable. You know, I'm just a loser, you know? I mean, you ever have those thoughts? That's just the enemy putting those thoughts into your mind, but then you bring it to God, and God says, you're a victor. You are, you're a winner with my power. And God says, you are cherished, and you're totally loved and completely loved. I'm not disappointed in you. Even when you screw up, I'm not disappointed in you. It just hurts me because I know how much it can devastate your life when you sin. But you are totally righteous in me. You're a child of God. You're my son. See, that's the truth, and it begins to change your thinking when you believe the truth. In John 8, 32, Jesus said this, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You wanna break free from that megalodon mindset? You gotta know the truth. Get in the truth of God's word, the promises of God's word, and believe the truth instead of everything you think, and you'll break free from destructive thought patterns. That's what this series is all about. In 2 Corinthians 10, 5, it says, we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. That is when a shark thought swims into your mind, you capture it, and then you compare it to the truth of God's word. You capture it, and then you look at God's word to see what the truth is. Shark thoughts aren't true, but if you believe them, they'll affect the way you live, and that's the real problem. If you start to believe everything you think, that thinking will affect the way you live. It'll become a habit pattern, and it will come out in your habits. And so if you're gonna change the way you live, you gotta change the way you think, and you've gotta not believe everything you think, and then don't believe everything you feel. This is the tough one because our feelings feel so true. And they are your true feelings, but they're not necessarily true. Don't believe everything you feel. Now, feelings are meant to be felt. God gives us our feelings, our emotions, and a big part of those feelings are about healing. You can't suppress those feelings. You can't deny those feelings. You've gotta feel your feelings. Feelings are meant to be felt, and revealing your feeling is the beginning of healing. And so feelings are really important. They're your true feelings, but they're not necessarily true. So, so what do you do? Don't suppress those feelings. They'll come out in all kinds of crazy ways. You express your feelings directly to God. You say, God, you know, I feel so discouraged today. God, I feel so worthless. I feel so mad at you, God, because I don't know why you've allowed this in my life. That's the way I feel. That's your true feelings. You've got to share your true feelings. I know there's some Christ followers who just skip over their feelings, suppress their feelings. I, I shouldn't feel this way. And so they just say, praise God for this problem that's in my life, that's destroying my life right now. Praise God for it. Hallelujah. I'm so excited about this. I'm so excited about this hurt. I'm so excited about this trial. I'm so excited but they skip over their feelings. And then their other Christ followers, most of us get stuck in our feelings. We start believing them. We start believing those feelings. We never take that turn to the truth. And so what do you do? You feel your feelings and you pour your feelings out on God. But then you turn, you turn to the truth. You say, God, I am so angry at you. I don't know why you allow this in my life. It doesn't make sense. I see nothing good out of it. It's all bad, but I know that you have a plan for me and that you are gonna work good out of this bad. I know that you love me and you're a good God. I know that you've got a plan and a purpose and nothing can change that. And you love me perfectly, but I don't feel like it right now but I'm not gonna believe my feelings. I'm gonna turn to the truth. God, I feel worthless right now, but I know I am loved and I'm valuable and I'm cherished. I feel worthless, but that's not true. I'm turning to you. God, I feel discouraged right now. You know, I feel hopeless right now, but I know the truth. You are hope and there's no hopeless situation. I know that you're gonna see me through. And I know you've given me courage, not a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and love and self-discipline, God. And you turn to the truth. And the amazing thing is, when you keep turning to the truth, it changes your feelings so many times. But don't believe everything you feel. 
Proclaim the truth and feed your faith and you starve the shark of fear. Well, there's a third thing that's really important. Don't let discouragers live rent-free in your head. You see, sometimes we're full of positive faith and we're just bouncing around. God's doing all these amazing things in our life. We're going, thank you, God. It's unbelievable. You know, I'm stepping out in faith. It's not easy, but I'm stepping out. You're opening all these doors. And then one discourager says something discouraging and it consumes all our thoughts. The shark of discouragement comes in and it just takes us down. And we feed the negative shark thoughts and we get so discouraged. Don't let the negative voices steal your positive faith. David's discourager was his older brother. Look at 1 Samuel 17, 28. It says, but when David's oldest brother, Eliab, heard David talking like that, he was angry. What are you doing around here anyway, he demanded. What about the sheep you're supposed to be taking care of? I know what a cocky brat you are. You just want to see the battle. So his older brother accuses him of just wanting to see the blood and gore. And he says, I know that you're just an arrogant brat and you just want to see the blood and gore. He questions David's motives. And when someone questions your motives, ooh, that hurts, doesn't it? I mean, that just hits right in the heart when someone questions your motives. When someone questions my motives, wow, that just hits me. And I, I want to say to them, what? You don't know me. I'm such a wonderful guy. I mean, how can you question my motives? Because my motives are pure. If you just knew me, I'm so nice. And it really bothers me when someone questions my motives, but I love what David does here. David's reaction, he just ignores him. You know, he says, you're just an arrogant brat and you know, I don't know what you're doing here. And David's, okay, great. Um, hey, how do I get up there and fight the giant? He just ignores them. And many times we let our critics control our thinking. We let that one discourager keep us from seizing our divine opportunity. Early on in my ministry, you know, after I'd preach, there'd be quite a few people come up and go, that was a great message, Pastor Kerry, and that just really spoke to me, and that's exactly what I needed. That was powerful from God's word today, and then one person might say something just a little bit negative, and boom, it would tank me. I would just think about that for the rest of the week, and I would miss out on all the blessings that God had for me. I would miss out on all the things that God was doing. I just let one drag me down. You ever done that in your life? You know, we tend to focus on the one negative, and we don't thank God for all the blessings that he's given us. Now, when it comes to criticism, use the chewing gum principle. This has helped me a lot. When someone criticizes you, take it, chew on it, and maybe there's 5% that's true, even if they hate you. You know, even if they're a non-Christian that's just upset at you because you're a Christ follower, chew on that criticism. Maybe there's 5%, 10% that's true that can help you in your life as you, your character grows, and then after you chew on it, you spit it out. Don't swallow the whole thing. Don't let it you know, swarm in your mind and don't feed the shark of negativity. When you feed these critical shark thoughts, it takes up all your headspace. And then you let that one discourager live rent-free in your head and mooch off all your faith. That's why I don't let discouragers in my life. I try not to let discouragers in my life if I can help it. And some of you, you can't help it. You're married to yours. So God bless you. He's got the holy sandpaper in your life. He's working on your character with that negative shark that you live with. Now, David's, he couldn't get around his shark. That was his older brother. But he could ignore him, and that's what he did. So don't let the sharks into your life if you don't have to. And some of you have been letting sharks swim in your own pool. You've been letting the shark of discouragement swim in your own pool. Why? Hang around encouragers in your life. I mean, it's one thing, you gotta go to the ocean of work and you're gonna have some discouragers there. You go out into the world, there's gonna be some discouragers there, but why let them swim in your own pool? You hang around encouragers. I hang around encouragers because I need courage. I don't let discouragers in my life. Why? Because I can't afford to lose any courage. I don't have enough in the first place. I've gotta have my faith grow and not have my faith mooched off of. 
hang around encouragers. That, that's what the church is all about, really. It's encouragers who don't have it all together, but they're there to lift you up instead of take you down. They're there to build you up instead of tear you down. That's why you need to be in a life group. I'm so excited about what God is doing through our life groups. And this fall, it's gonna be an amazing thing, is we're doing something called the Joy Challenge. It starts September 17th and 18th, and our whole church is gonna go through it. On September 18th, 17th, 18th, we started. It's a five-week challenge. I'll be preaching on it every weekend for five weekends. And then all of our life groups are gonna go through the Joy Challenge one night a week for five weeks. And it's going to be life-changing. They're gonna discuss what we're talking about. And they're gonna watch a 10-minute video and, and learn from Chris and I about how to really apply this Joy Challenge. We're gonna choose joy for 30 days straight, and it's gonna change the rest of our lives you gotta choose joy. And so you gotta be in a life group because that's where a lot of joy comes from when you're hanging out with people that encourage you to, to go the right direction. They don't have it all together, but they're going the right direction. They're encouragers rather than discouragers. And so I'm challenging everyone who's in a life group right now to step out and host a life group just for five weeks. I know there's at least two or three in every life group who God's putting that on your heart just to step out in faith, even when you don't feel like it, and just host a life group, a new life group for five weeks, and that's all you gotta do. Then you go back to your old life group. Just for five weeks, host this. And by the way, if you're not in a life group, we want everyone in our church to get into a life group. We're not a church with some life groups, we're a church of life groups. That's where life really happens. You come to big worship, it's powerful, you need it so desperately, and then you meet like one night a week or every other week with your life group to really do life together, to be encouraged together. And so we want everyone to be in a life group. And if you're not in a life group, here's the best way to get in one. You wanna know how to get in a life group? Host a life group in your home during this Joy Challenge. After September 17th and 18th, it kicks off and you host in your home. That's the best way to get into a life group. How do you do that? How do you host in your home? You just open up your home one night a week for five weeks and then invite two or three of your friends, maybe a neighbor you like to hang out with, two or three of your friends at work you like to hang out with, maybe a friend at church that you like to hang out with. Invite two or three friends and then we will send you some others that live in your area or are in your stage of life. We have singles life groups, we have couples life groups, couples with no children, couples with preschoolers life groups, we have couples with children life groups, couples with teenager life groups, uh, empty nester life groups, we have men's life groups, women's life groups, all different types, but we will send you some people who live in your area or are in the same age and stage as you, and then all you do is put out some refreshments, don't do anything extravagant, and then you just show the video that we're gonna give you, and then about 10 minutes, and then you have some questions we give you, discuss it, just have some fun fellowship together. It's an hour and a half, one night a week. And that's the best way to start. And by the way, after the first uh, night, you can say, hey, does anyone else wanna host it next week from the group? And I'm telling you, you get around some encouragers, it changes your life. You get so connected to the things that are most important. So how do you do that? I want everyone to take out your smartphone right now. Take it, we've been doing this the last two weeks. Take out your smartphone right now, everybody. You can check on the scores, you can do what, no. Nothing started yet, so don't worry about it. Take out your smartphone right now, and then you go to the website, and it says host a joy challenge. Click on host a joy challenge, and then you just fill this out, day of the week, time that works best for you, type of group, click on type of, type of group, guys. Couples, singles, men, women, special interests, that's all you gotta do. And you turn that in and we'll contact you this next week. We'll, we'll give you everything you need. We'll help you with any questions. And you'll be ready the week after September 17th and 18th to kick off your life group. Get in a life group. It's what it's all about. Then the fourth thing is don't conform to the mindset of the culture. Folks, we live in a shark-infested culture. We live in a messed up culture. Don't you realize that? That's why we need to go back to Romans 12 too, our key verse. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. In our shark-infested, do whatever you feel like culture, it starts to seep into our mindset and we start without thinking, conforming to the culture rather than to Christ. 
And then just naturally, if we don't think about it and work against it, we start conforming to our culture. David didn't let Saul make him fit into Saul's thinking. King Saul tried to discourage David. At first he says, you're crazy. It's ridiculous what you're doing. You're too small to face him. But then King Saul tries to put his armor on David. I think maybe he was thinking, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm too scared to go out there, but at least my armor will be out there. That'll mean something. And so he tries to put his armor on David. In 1 Samuel 17, 38, it says, he gave his own armor to David for him to wear a bronze helmet, which he put on David's head and a coat of armor. David strapped Saul's sword over the armor and tried to walk, but he couldn't because he wasn't used to wearing them. I can't fight with all this, he said to Saul. I'm not used to it. So he took it all off. David refuses King Saul's armor. Think of the guts it took for this shepherd boy to refuse the king of Israel's armor. But he said, Saul, that may be your armor, but it's not my armor. That may fit you, but it doesn't fit me. In fact, it just weighs me down and keeps me from my calling. It keeps me from being who God called me to be. Don't try to fit your armor onto me. Don't try to fit your armor of negative thinking onto me because I'm gonna wear the armor that God's made for me that fits me. I'm gonna put on the full armor of God and stand against this culture. I'm gonna put on the full armor of God and, and live true to God. And there are a lot of people out there in our culture who will try to put their armor of unbelief on you. They'll tell you you're wrong, your faith is wrong, you're naive, your faith is ridiculous. They'll try to fit you into their culture or cancel you. But God says, don't let them. Don't let them, don't conform to the culture, you conform to Christ, the truth. And you wear the armor of God and you stand in the truth, the full armor of God, love and truth, and you keep living God's way, no matter what anyone else says about you because he's got an armor that will fit you, that won't burden you down. And then I think there are a lot of Christ followers out there who'll put their armor of expectations on you and say, this is what you ought to do, this is the way you ought to live, this is the way you ought to be, and this is it. And, and they'll try to put their armor of expectations on you. But don't you let them. You follow what God has called you to do. You follow God's purpose for your life. I think a lot of us try to please people who don't even care about us. We come to the end of our lives and we'll see that we missed our divine opportunity. For you see, I think a lot of people are like King Saul. They discourage you from following your divine opportunities because they never did. They discourage you from seeing and seizing your divine moments because they never did. And it makes them feel bad when you step out in faith and you trust the Lord and you live for God and it discourages them because they think, I never did that. It convicts them. Don't you let them put their armor on you. You wear the armor that God has made for you and you step out to be who God has called you to be because he's got a personal plan for your life that he calls you to. And that's why... I get frustrated when someone comes up to me and says, Pastor Kerry, I believe God told me to tell you you need to do this. And I'll go, well, why didn't God tell me? It'd been a lot easier for God to skip you. I don't even know you. You know what I think? It could be God's telling you to do that. You're just putting it off on me. You go do that. Because God tells me what he wants me to do. Don't let this culture put their armor onto you. You stand in the armor of God. You stand in the truth. You put on the full armor of God and you stand. And you keep going the way God has called you to go. Purpose of this whole series is don't feed the sharks. Don't feed the sharks. You feed your faith. In this battle for the mind, it's a real battle. And most of us, this is where we lose the battle for our purpose and we lose the battle for our passion. We lose the battle for God's plan for our lives and we lose the battle in our head. We lose the battle in our thinking. We get in a megalodon mindset. And this is so important because if you wanna change your life, you gotta change the way you think. Over the next few weeks, we're gonna renew our minds. We're gonna choose to focus on the Lord, all-powerful God, instead of our problems, and it's gonna change our perspective. We're gonna choose to focus on God's truth, and it's gonna change your thinking. And I want you to meditate. We're gonna give you a, a message, a verse to meditate on every week and memorize. And here's the passage today. Someone needs this, and I want you to memorize it, meditate on it. If you're not good at memorizing, at least read it every day. Don't be afraid, 
for I am with you, God says. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. When you feel fear this week, you claim this. God's right there with me. When you get discouraged this week, claim this. God is right there to fill you with courage. He says, I'm gonna strengthen you, I'm gonna hold you up. When you feel like a loser this week, God says, you're victorious because of my righteous right hand. What I wanna come back to you right now that God's really impressed upon me is that we've gotta give the battle over to the Lord. This battle for the mind, we've gotta give it over to God and his power. We can't fight it ourselves. We can't fight the enemy by ourselves. We can't fight the giant in front of us by ourselves, but it's the Lord's battle, and some of you today need to give it over to the Lord. I want us to stand together right now because we're gonna give the battle to God, and we're gonna see him. He's already fighting for you. Give the battle of your mind over to God, and he'll give you peace of mind. Give the battle you're facing at your workplace, in your family. Give the battle you're facing in your life right now to God because he's fighting for you. He is for you, and he wants to fight the battle for you. It's not your battle, really. David realized this was the time he was to step up. This was his divine moment, but the battle was God's. The battle was God's. And maybe right now, you have a giant in front of you, and all you saw coming in this place was a giant problem. But now God is starting to change your mind, change your thinking to the truth that that giant problem is your greatest opportunity to go to the next level. David he stepped up in faith and he killed the giant. He cut off the giant's head and the Israelites won a whole victory because when you step out of Megalodon mindsets and you start looking at life from a God level and you seize your divine moment, that also spreads throughout the whole organization. That courage is caught. And then when you step out in faith, others will follow and it creates a wave of faith. That's what's gonna happen here at Willens Church is we keep stepping out in faith. It's gonna create a wave of faith. Believing God. Let's pray together. Dear God, I thank you that you do change our perspective. I get stuck in this mindset, this human mindset where my problems just overwhelm me, but then, Lord, as I turn to the truth and you begin to change my thinking, I can see that that giant problem is a giant opportunity. Just like David who saw the giant opportunity, seized his divine moment, and it totally changed the whole trajectory of his life. He was never the same again. And he went to a whole new level. Lord, I pray over the next few weeks that you would help us see that these problems are our greatest possibility for you to work in our lives, and that you would help us see and seize our divine opportunities. And, and Lord, I know that many times we try to fight ourselves, and when we fight ourselves, we just get worn out. We get beat up, Lord. And I thank you that the battle is yours. I pray for everyone within the sound of my voice that you would help them realize that you are fighting for them. The battle is yours and help them just surrender it to you and go, God, I'm worn out. I can't fight this battle anymore. I can't fix this problem. So I surrender to you and I ask you to fight the battle for me. The battle is yours and I know that you're gonna win the victory. Lord, I thank you for all the victories that are coming this week. And Lord, we know that we're gonna have some feelings that we need to feel. But Lord, help us to turn to the truth. Help us to trust you. Help us to just rest in you and let you fight the battle for us. And I pray for those, Lord, who are fighting a battle against you. They're at war with you because you tell us, Lord, until we come to know you as Lord and Savior, then we're at war with you. So for all of those of you who haven't made peace with God, Right now you can just pray this prayer to our loving God. Jesus Christ, I need you in my life. I ask you to forgive me of all my sins and I ask you to come into my life and change my heart and then renew my mind as I focus on your truth. I accept your free gift of heaven and salvation one day. Help me grow in my faith for it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey, if you prayed that prayer, even online, just click Raise my hand, I pray to receive Christ. And tell one of, if you're at one of our campuses, tell one of our pastors. Hey, great things are happening at Woodland Church. Our women's Bible study kicks off September 22nd, Thursday morning at both of our campuses. My wife, Chris, is teaching the Bible study. It's gonna be powerful. And so I hope you'll sign up online. Just sign up online to it.
gonna be amazing. By the way, the membership class is today. That's how you join. I think over 300 people have signed up to go to the membership class to find out about how to join Woodlands Church. Isn't that amazing what God is doing? It's at one o'clock today, we feed you, we take care of your kids, there's no excuse, just a baby step to get connected to an encouraging congregation who doesn't have it all together, but we are going in God's direction. I encourage you, come one, one to three, and it's a lot of fun. You meet some people and eat and have some fun. So if you haven't joined, take that baby step today at one o'clock. By the way, Woodlands Worship, our second album, comes out this Friday, September the 2nd. It's called Such a Love, and all original songs comes out this Thursday, September the 2nd, or this Friday, I'm sorry, September, they correct me. September the 2nd, this Friday, and you can download it on Spotify, Apple Music, all the platforms, do it this week. Listen to it. Let it change your thinking as you worship and you focus on God. I, I wanna tell you that this place, this church, is a house of hope. It's a house of healing, and it's a house that points people to heaven. This is a home that God resides in. And then when you leave, he resides in you. You're his home if you're a Christ follower. And so I really encourage you, if you don't have a church home, come home. Come home to Woodlands Church. Get connected in a life group. Get connected to this church body. You come home. Maybe you've been wondering from God, it's time to come home. This is a homecoming this fall. It's homecoming at Woodlands Church. Some of you go back to your university, your college, and you go back on your homecoming. Well, this is a homecoming where you stay. And I encourage you, Come home, and maybe you're far from the Lord right now. Maybe you've never received Christ. All you gotta do is stop your running and turn, and it's your homecoming. And one day, we'll all be home, the perfect home in heaven. That's what our homecoming is all about. It's time to come home. Let's sing to the Lord and thank him for our ultimate home, heaven. Hey, church. Thanks for listening to the Woodlands Church with Carrie Shook podcast. By listening, we hope that you're encouraged wherever you are. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can get the latest messages each week. For more information on Woodlands Church, check out the description for a link to our website and how to connect with us. We hope you have a great week.